The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. was the last time we did this i i want to say it it was pre-covid so it's at least two maybe three years that i barbara <laughs> my stepmom's in the other room and she said she wants you guys to know it was my wife wanted nothing to do with the podcast you can't, but call, the very, you can't yell in from the, the other very room. first question she yells oh, in sorry. i think it was right, like right. 1987 it was a thursday this is what it's like to work with your parents no, it was that studio across from the Soho Right, house. we had it, exactly right. That was the last one. Well, we're not with that company anymore. We're no longer there. So we're with, who are we with now? We're with Earwolf. Oh, I love Earwolf. I have all their trading cards. So for those of you listening or not listening or driving and kind of listening, uh, that's the voice of my dad, Fred Schlesinger. And my dad and my stepmom are in town to see my baby Trink, Trink Frog, my baby Pink Tree Frog, who I guess isn't pink anymore. Uh, for, and we're doing a little Hanukkah party. And I said, let's do a podcast. So I told Emily to kick rocks because three's a crowd and we're going to answer your questions. Now, none of you wrote in specific questions, dad. There are no questions about tennis or 1960s trivia. Okay. Okay. Or, or mafia films. It's a lot of wedding questions. I and love it. I, I was married three times. I'm an expert on it. Not mafia films, good fellas specifically. No, but I like mafia films. Okay. Like, uh, uh, what was the uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in America, which is a story about a Jewish mafia. Very interesting. Robert De Niro. Happy Fantastic. Hanukkah to, for all of you listening. Yes. People I, don't realize that there's like, there's Jews and then there's like the tough Jews. Like oh, the yeah. mafia Jews. And every family has like a scraggly branch, like bends in that scraggly branch of like tough Jews. Do, do you know the percentage of Jews in the Russian mafia? Do you have any idea what percentage there is of tough Jews in the Russian mafia? It would be so weird if I knew that. I it think zero. Be. I feel like it's super I Catholic. I was hoping you knew because I have no I idea. I feel like it's like super Russian Orthodox. Right. There were four. But folks, Murray, you've got questions. We've got Chaim, answers. Chaim Puttek, who, who was the gun mall. So here we go. Anonymous. Hi, ladies. Dad, you're a lady. Okay. Love the podcast. My question for Eliza is, I'm Catholic but I don't practice. My husband is half Jewish. I was wondering if you think it's cultural appropriation. I can tell you this right now. The answer is no, but I'm going to, I'm going to let you read the question. Anyway. So why'd you give me a microphone? I could just feel, I'm right. telling her, 
cultural appropriation that I, as a non-Jewish person, would like to teach my daughter about some of the Jewish traditions. I'm doing a Hanukkah get-together with other half-Jewish couples uh, that have a little girl the same age. Our daughter's three years old, and she understands the traditions. My husband loved this idea, but it's really on me to organize most of it. I sincerely want my daughter to feel proud of her Jewish heritage. Why? None of us do. And she's not, and we're not raising her under any of our religions. We will let her choose later. She's not going to choose Judaism. I want to make sure I'm not stepping on a territory that's not mine. Love talking to you at the book signing in New York in October. Can't wait to see you in Miami in March. Okay, so so if you're really serious about giving your daughter... She's three. She said three years old, I think. If you're really serious about giving your three-year-old daughter uh, a Jewish understanding, a Jewish education, uh, some Jewish pride so as she grows up she can make uh, an intelligent choice, then I would say the three of you take some Jewish education classes at a reformed synagogue and learn about the plight of the Jews, learn about their, the, the meaning behind the holidays of um, the high holy days of Passover, even Tisha B'Av, which is a remembrance, and certainly Hanukkah. Because most people over the last 50 years, first of all, Hanukkah is a relatively new holiday, it's it's less than 100 years old as holidays and go. And it definitely did not originally take place around the same time as Christ's birthday, Correct. which also was not in December. Correct. The Jewish merchants made it around Christmas, so they would capitalize <laughs> on the wholesale all right, all right, all right. Okay, all right. But, but there's such a beautiful story behind why we celebrate Hanukkah and the festival of lights and the miracle, just like there is behind Passover. So as a father figure to your family, I would urge No, that's you, a woman. This is a woman. Who's married. She's not the father figure. No, I, I said me being a father figure to her. Well, she give, can't relate to that. Why not? You're not a father figure to her. I could be. <laughs> and- but go find a reform synagogue close to you and take some classes with your three-year-old daughter and then let her decide as she gets older. I, I, her question was, is it cultural appropriation? Let me just say this. We are all way too sensitive. Oh cultural God. appropriation oh. has, that has nothing to do with it. You're simply, to a three-year-old, trying to explain a couple of things. You want to have a Hanukkah party. Nobody would ever get mad Anybody, and if and if you are, then they're they're completely wrong about you in a respectful way exposing someone to, to something. And the fact that she said, "My husband is what a quarter Jewish, what, one what, eighth, for, just the what, hair, from the knees down." Yeah. What, what the hell is that? How how Jewish do you have to be to be a quarter Jewish? You're either Jewish or you're not. It's like he's saying, half. He's half. Half Jewish. Got to be the mom. Otherwise, but, it doesn't. But matter. okay, so if the mother was Jewish, if his mother was Jewish. That's great. If the father was Jewish and the mother wasn't, then in certain uh, sects of Judaism, he wouldn't be considered Jewish. But, but, but all that wrong. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's what you want for your daughter as, as, as a parent. That's it's, it. It's what you and want. And she's only three. And so right. it's just exposing it. But don't worry about appropriation. And honestly, because I don't always know that Judaism is the most welcoming religion, find people who are warm about it and do it your way. You can water it down. She's three. You know, that she doesn't have right. to fully understand the mysticism of it. So the answer is you're not going to get canceled. And anybody who doesn't welcome you, feh. Fuck them. Fuck them. That's Yiddish. 
who say Yiddish for fuck him is fair. Anonymous. My girlfriend and I have been recently talking about engagement rings that we want for the near future. She has said that she wants a princess or emerald cut diamond. I have inherited a ring from my grandma that passed a few years ago and it is a round diamond. I was always planning to use the diamond to add it to a different band with other little diamonds around it to clam it up. It's a nice sized diamond. Should I still use the diamond even though it's not the shape she says she wants or should I just give her a new ring when the time comes? I, I think... And we think it's a woman. Yeah. Not I, that it matters. I think shapes in a diamond ring are very, very overrated. And... and I think diamonds are overrated. Diamonds are overrated. And if, and if it were me, if I had to do it all over again, and believe me, I've been through three diamond rings in my so life. So you have done it over again. <laughs> yeah, I did it over again. It would be to get like a five, six carat mother zirconium for the woman and ask her what shape she wants and it'll cost you a fraction of the money and it's still going to do the same thing. It still has the same uh, symbolism. It's not about it being a real diamond that it was mined in South Africa. Fuck that. It's the thought that counts and you, and get him, get her a big diamond and nobody knows the difference. Not only that, I'm just wondering. I would do a real, I would spend the money on the setting because that's a real piece of jewelry. The diamond isn't jewelry. The setting is stunning. And I, I would go out and shop and have a gorgeous setting custom made mm. uh, with possibly real diamond baguettes or crowns. Because also, like that. what if you could say, like, what if, I mean, I understand it's like an heirloom to grandma's ring. Yeah. What if there's a version where you could sell that diamond, pocket half the money and use it as a down payment on a new condo, on a new car, or like something that you guys need to get your life started. Yeah. I know no one's asking to do that. You're saying get a cubic zirconi, sell well, it and get a cubic zirconi. That or take the grandmother's round diamond and create a kick-ass setting for it. So you have the, the so old it stays right. Because here's the truth. Because I actually had this issue. Noah had a family diamond. It was his grandmother's diamond that was his. I always wanted an emerald cut, but you some diamonds you cannot cut into. Some of these older diamonds that were, so you right. can't cut into it. They're too fragile. Um, and the truth is round is like an antiquated shape. I'm not saying it's ugly or anything. So what I did was I have that round diamond and I had it set in an emerald setting. So all the things around it. Is Beautiful. it too big? Yes. Is it stunning? Yes. That's all that matters. So have a real talk because I think when we get married as women, we get super caught up in these like Super Bowl rings Give her those options, and and that's it. How important, from a sentimental aspect, is that diamond? Yeah, is that diamond to you, anonymous to you? And if it's very important, then go out and together pick out a spectacular setting, and your grandmother will always be with you. <clears throat> let's Hello. move on. Let's Hello. move. On. Let's move on. We're beating a dead diamond here. Hello, Eliza and Emily. <laughs> As someone who's listened to the pod since episode one, whoa. Scott, can you put in like a trumpet sound effect there? I have found many of Eliza's quotes making their way into my vernacular. Yes, that's what we want. Today in a meeting, I told people to assume, quote, everyone was coming from the highest light. And I regularly use, quote, don't give it oxygen and, quote, you teach people how to treat you as mantras and advice I pay forward to others. My question is, are these bits of wisdom original or were they passed on to you? Has anyone ever given you advice that you continue to go back to? P.S. Emily, my deepest condolences for the loss of Gracie. Losing a pet is a deep wound and I will take time and it will take time to heal. Gracie was lucky to have been loved by you as you were to have her in your life. 
Um, just real quick. From the highest light, and I often uh, cite this properly, comes from my Aunt Debbie, who always says, like, from the highest light. So I took that one from Aunt Debbie, and uh, the other one was teach people how to treat you. I definitely didn't make that up. These are just things that I really, you know, you hear a lot of quotes in life, and very rarely do they stick. I always think it's funny in movies when someone will be like, you know, and my grandma always used to say, I'm like, who's remembering that? People are like, best piece of advice. I'm like, who's remembering what they had for breakfast? But but I will say that for for decades, I'm now in the middle of my sixth decade of life, but I will say for many decades, I never took the following advice. And it's just in the last 10 years that I started taking it and seeing the benefits and the results. And the advice is always take the high road. Eh. No, no, always take that. Always do what's right. What's right in your heart. Which is the high road. That the, yeah. Metaphorically, it's the high road. Always from the do, highest light. Yeah, well, okay, or from the highest light. Sometimes, though, you got to be petty. And I think what I wanted to bring up- Well, in our family, what, it's yeah. more often than sometimes. It's, you got to get real gritty, real petty. Sometimes- Get down on your hands and knees <laughs> and slug it out with a fucking amoeba. To Just quote, slug it out. To quote Jack Donaghy, you've got to go down into the crevasse. However, one of the quotes you quoted me on was, don't give it oxygen. Now, dad- you are dealing with today, we're sitting at breakfast and my dad goes, I just got a chilling email. And I'm like, what's the email? And he's like, it's a woman who's trying to set up tennis lessons. My dad's a tennis pro, trying to set up tennis lessons. And she just keeps emailing me about it. I go, let me read the email. And I read it. And I'm like, dad, this is a scam. He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, she mentioned she has lung cancer in, a, in an email to a tennis pro. She's missing punctuation. She says her name backward. I'm like, this is a scam. And so rather than delete it like a normal human would, you have written back several times. And we spent the balance of the day concocting weird things to write back to this person. Right. Because we've identified her as a scam meister and now she doesn't know who she's gotten involved with. What are you going to do? I'm going to just, just run her, her around in circles. Hey, I'm retired. I got all the time in the world. <laughs> I'll just run this motherfucker around in circles. I don't really care until she'll finally be exhausted and move on to the next victim. I can't think of specific quotes. I Sometimes I wonder, is it quotes that I live by or that I remember the quote so I've decided to live by it? But uh, Henry David Thoreau, go forward in the direction of your dreams, live the life you've imagined. And uh, Winston Churchill says nothing to fear but fear itself. Yes. That one is huge and I find that a lot taking war out of it, but social situations. What about some of my father's famous quotes? I never met him. I don't know his quotes. Well, if you're not early. You're late. That's correct. one. I live by that. That's That was from Grandpa Ben, my dad, who instilled in me this amazing work ethic, which I passed on to some of my children, not all of them. Uh, Eliza certainly being one of them. And he used to say to me, if you're not early, you're late. You're nine o'clock can't be the the other person's nine o'clock. So be there at 8.45 and always be prepared, always be ready and always be early. And, I'm always early. And I've lived by that and benefited by that quote, by that uh, philosophy of not only business, but life. In today's world, nobody's on time. It's Everybody so is. And, and this whole bullshit about, oh, well, I'm fashionably late. Well, 
What gives you the right? You were invited to a party. These people spent a fortune of time and money putting this gorgeous party on. So you have to show up at 830. Well, you know what? You planned to be there a half an hour late. Why can't you plan to be there on time or early? Because we went to a party the other night. And we were the first ones there and like the hosts weren't even ready <laughs> and they're in bathrobes and I'm just sitting there like you said eight o'clock and we live so close. I'm not even going to pretend I had something else to do. The other quote that I live by, which is not yours, but it is from Robert De Niro from Casino. Either you're stupid or you're in on it. Either way, I can't yeah. have it. Yeah. So I live, I'm, I, I vacillate between like the highest light, best intention and fuck them. They're evil. <laughs> Then I find living somewhere between those two. I, I find most people uh, are stupid, m- more stupid than evil. Yeah, I, I don't completely think there's agree. There's a lot of there's a very small percentage of yeah. evil people. I think a lot of people are scared and hurt, but a huge percentage of ignorant people. And when I say ignorant, they just don't know. And my famous word, you could ask my wife, particularly when we're driving, people in general are oblivious to other people. They just have no idea. They're so egocentric, particularly when they're driving. All right, all right. I don't want to get into that. Yeah, please. Okay. It's only an hour podcast. Okay. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Eliza. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. 
And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. This one's called Hot Take. Hot Takes. Here we go. Anonymous, I have a male work friend who I walk with almost every day and hang out with at work when I have downtime. He knows I am married and I am serious rule follower for marriage and male friendships. I do not have feelings at all for this person. He gifted me a new Apple watch. I accepted it because he would not take it back. Do I need to step away from this friendship or keep it and move on? Hot Take. Okay, so did you... So the fact that you said male worker, immediately I saw that there's something going on. When As soon as you depicted him as a male worker, you didn't say, I have a worker that I walk with. Okay. What I would do is tell the male worker friend of yours, you know what? I'm going to discuss this with my husband. And um, if it's okay with him, then I'll accept your gift. But if it's not okay with my husband, I'm going to have to give it back to you. That's your hot take? Yeah. He won't take it back. Nah, it's ridiculous. He won't take it back. I put it on his desk and that's it. You know, I, I, I can't, I can't accept this. I'm sorry. It's, it's way too more expensive than a friendship gift. And, and I'm, and I'm not getting pure feelings from you. So I cannot accept this unless my husband says it's okay. Unless you're really ugly and he's hot, in which case, you know where you stand. Yeah. Uh, I I think the husband thinks- But ugly women don't see themselves as ugly. That's the Trust us, we do. Uh, I feel like if you say, I asked my husband, it puts too much power. Because what if the husband's like, yeah, keep it. I, I just, it makes it, you have to have the agency. You have to not be okay with it, which you're not. And I think you've done nothing wrong. Look, we're at work, we're hanging out, but he's seeing an opening. Right. Something- Unless, what's her name? She's chosen to remain anonymous. Anonymous. Annie. Unless she's not telling us the full story. And you know, sometimes in these questions your fans pose to you, they don't really paint the entire picture. That's because I've beaten it out of them. I've said, this is too much context. We only have an hour. Something's not right, but let's say you've been nothing about platonic and he gave this to you. He got the wrong idea and you just, you can't take it. So look in the mirror and say to yourself- Am I ugly? Am I ugly? And, And part B is- what have I done to elicit this expensive gift? And maybe I I did mislead him or lead him on. Or- and, and I think my dad's saying that not as much as like, what were you wearing? As much as like, were you 100% like, I've never, like, is this guy, because he could have, by the way, if you're just nice to a guy, he's like, well, she must like me. Men do that. If you can honestly say from the highest light, like, no, like it's always appropriate and he's just wrong then at least your conscience is clean. But if there's any part of you that has misled, then still, either way, you got to give it back. Have you, when you look in the and mirror- And he'll be weird about it, but that's, you don't want that friend. 
have you, when you look in the mirror, could you ask yourself, have have I properly set platonic there boundaries? You go. There you go. If I didn't properly set platonic boundaries, then you let the gate open and this is what came in. Yeah, she's like, this was a platonic bath and a platonic kiss. We didn't use tongue. Right. It's a friendship kiss. Right. Here we go. Eliza. And I wore the bra just with the two hooks to make it easy for him to take off. So you have seen the air. Double off the wall. Eliza, long time, first time here. My question is regarding- <laughs> What does that mean? Long time listener, first oh, time caller. Oh, you didn't say that. Long time listener. It just says long time first slash time first questionnaire. time. Questionnaire. Questionnaire. Can we call them questionnaires? Questionnaires. Not A-A-I-R-E-E-R-E. Yeah, like a mouseketeer. Right. Like a luminaire. So can they be a Eliza questionnaire? Like a tiny dog named Chenier. My question is regarding my female friend, also female. What? My friend, also female. I don't understand that, but okay. We'll call her Moira. Why? Why not? Okay. Moira is someone I would consider. How do you spell Moira? M-O-I-R-A. It's Celtic. So any question with the word Moira in it, we want to move on from. Moira is awesome. I would consider her close. We've been friends for about five years and met at work. We've spent a lot of time together. And before this, it was one of those friendships everyone hopes for. Very low maintenance and we had a lot of fun. A little background about Moira. She is single after a train wreck of a relationship. She has had a few failed tender dates, but nothing serious. I'm in a committed relationship of four years strong. About a month ago, she introduced me to her male friend. Male friend is married, so I thought nothing of it. And about two weeks after, I found out she had started an affair with him. She announced this in a group chat with two other married women. Those women, my other friends, have now decided to pause their relationship with Moira. I haven't because I feel like she's an adult and that's not my place. Should I do the same? I don't feel that I should. I did let her know that this is going nowhere good and that I wish she wouldn't make this choice. But beyond that, I feel I can't control what she does and I don't see the point of losing a friend over it. If anything, I've been trying to hang with her more to show her that she doesn't need someone like that when she has good friends. Am I wrong to associate with her or handling this badly? Thanks for the podcast. I do everything you do. I hope to see you in the next couple of years. Oh, wow. Give yourself a real (laughs) wide berth. Next couple of years. You have to ask yourself um, a questionnaire. You have to ask yourself, what is the relevance? What weight do you put to the relevance of your friend having an affair to you befriending her. And the other two women have disowned her friendship because they're being judgmental, because their moral compass is askew, whatever. And you have to decide, is that relationship more important than you judging her for this illicit affair? And if the answer is, yeah, uh, she's, she's a great friend and I really mm-hmm. enjoy being with her, mm-hmm. then continue to. If it's like, well, if she's going to have an affair with a married man, then what might she do to me? So mm-hmm. those are questions you mm-hmm. have to ask yourself. And can you separate the two? Clearly, your other two friends can't. And that's their prerogative. Uh, and, and I would ask yourself how relevant it is that she's having the affair. Maybe as you get closer to her, you could talk to her more about it and share your views and help her as a friend. I also wonder, it takes, look, the person who's mainly at fault is the guy that's cheating. Like it's not a great look, but that is his relationship. And it comes back to that thing. Like you don't know what he's saying to her. He could be saying like, we're getting a divorce. He could be saying things aren't good. 
your married friends don't really know her and they're like, I don't want this around me. And it, it hits a nerve when you are the married one. If you all weren't married, it might weigh less, but it, it does taint the way that you look at her. Ask and her what's going on. Ask her what her plan is. And in the back of their minds, those the two yes. judgmental friends, they may be going, uh-oh, she may be hitting on my husband. Yeah, but so also I'll, we don't know what this guy's saying. So right. I agree with all that. All right. Okay, let's move on. I'm going to do some holiday. I'm seeing the word gift a lot here. Here we go. Maybe not this one. Any Hanukkah questions? No, we don't. It's mostly Canadian Christians that listen to this podcast. So these are mostly Gentile questions. Mostly Gentile questions. I Do like- they listen to Michael Buble or they don't? Is that a Gentile? <laughs> He's a Gentile uh, Canadian. Everybody likes Michael Buble. I know. Especially I- around the holidays. Okay. Around Christmas. His last three Christmas albums went zinc. Okay, cool. Hi, Eliza and Emily and the oh. fam. And the fam. Love seeing you in Vancouver. Thank you for signing books for me, of course, and my friend. My question is, how do I put a good boundary between myself and my friend's ex-girlfriend? Long story short, my guy friend and his girlfriend dated from June until recently. So this is December, so it's like half a year. When they first started dating, he introduced us and I could sense she was a bit put off by me because he and I were very close. I did what I could. I was really open and friendly with her, talked with her, made plans to hang out and actually hung out. But alas, her insecurities got the best of her and they fell onto me. My friend was leaving for another country and we scheduled a group sleepover. What? Okay. His girlfriend texted me and asked me not to stay at his house if it's just him and me. I understand that some women are insecure. Why are you having a group sleepover? That's bizarre, but okay. She asked me not to stay there. I understand that some women are insecure about their partners. However, I am not one of these women. And this kind of thing used to happen to me a lot with other guy friends to the point where we would just leave friendships with them. It's a deal breaker for me. Now, fast forward, they broke up and I'm having a hard time letting go of this incident. At the time, I did not... Sorry. At the time, I did... Thanks for writing these really small, Emily... At the time, I did tell her that she hurt me asking this and she apologized and she said she respected me, but I should understand. I don't. I don't see how one respects a person but automatically assumes they will do something. Oh, and I should add that I'm in a happy relationship with my man and we just bought a place together. She knows this. What is the best boundary I can put up with her? She's still part of our group, so I will end up seeing her occasionally. Ooh, thank you for your sage wisdom. Did you try the poop game? No, I did not. Thank you though. Um, I guess that's weird that you're having a sleepover. What adult is like, yeah, I'm going to go. First of all, who wants to sleep at someone else's house at all? If your own home is there. I, I would, again, I would ask myself, what value does this woman have in my life? And maybe you just, uh, interact with her in, other, you know, in group settings and that you minimize the one-on-one time if you don't value her as a friend. I mean, it sounds like you're very happy. You're in a committed relationship. You just bought a house and you have these other friends that encompasses her in the circle of friends. So when you're together or you're, you go out for a happy hour or whatever, so you see her and you be civil and pleasant. I thought you were friends with the guy friend and then that was the girlfriend that he met. So Uh, they broke up and you're still friends with the ex-girlfriend? Then you got me if that's it. This says more about her than you. Um, It is a little odd. Look, I have a, I have a, a, quite a few, not quite a few, but I have a lot of male friends that I had before I met Noah. Um, and Noah's very okay with our relationship because I've never given him a reason to not trust me. And these men have always been respectful. It is a little odd that you would want that the sleepover thing is odd, but this is 
an indictment on her character, not yours. And you're saying, why don't you trust me? And she's like, why do you have to sleep in a house with my boyfriend? This is really more about her insecurities. And you feel that this is impugning your character. Um, and it doesn't sound by what girl you, doesn't your sound description that, that she'd be a very good quality friend. So I would seek my friendship with these other women. And if you have to see her occasionally in a group setting, so be it. But I'd move on and enjoy my life. She's, with- I guess say she's insecure because there's not one friend I have in my life where if, mm-hmm. where I would think, oh, they're going to sleep with my husband. You, it, this sounds very young, by the way. And in conclusion, do we have any other questions? There's no Hanukkah questions or no, no, questions about baseball. Non, no, that are non-relationship No, this related. is Ask Eliza okay. anything about your okay. relationship. Well, it said anything. So, so Almost far anything. So, so far it's Ask Eliza something about No, it's about Ask Eliza anything but something that isn't about relationships. Okay. When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. I do think there's something to be said for ordering something of quality and every once in a while getting a nice package in the mail with a product that you're going to own for a long time. Let me tell you about Bolin Branch's signature sheets because they're the perfect way to start upgrading your sleep, your room, the look of your room because they're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They are made with the finest 100% organic cotton. These sheets feel buttery soft, yet super breathable, and they're perfect for warmer summer months ahead. We have a house that we go to in the summer and I got all Bolin Branch sheets for the beds because we're having a lot of guests this year and I want them to feel like they're at a nice bed and breakfast that they didn't have to pay for. Bolin Branch sheets are free from toxins like synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde. I bet you didn't know that was in your sheets. And their signature sheets come in 14 versatile colors and they come in sizes from twin all the way up to California King. And Bolin Branch has a 30-night worry-free guarantee, which means you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them for any reason, you can send them right back with free returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowl and Branch. Go to bowlandbranch.com slash Eliza for 15% off your first sheet set, plus free shipping. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com slash Eliza for 15% off. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, here we go. Anonymous. All right, here's a holiday survival question. There you go. Also from a real screw. Is that so difficult? <clears throat> I ask you. Hi, guys. 
I hate gift giving. I hate it. To be fair, I also hate receiving gifts. I don't remember the last time I enjoyed opening a gift or watching someone open a gift I gave them, probably around 1995. Even on the rare occasions someone gets me something I want or need, I would actually take more pleasure in buying it for myself. From you know what Jerry. this sounds like? Sounds like, your brother. sounds like my brother Jerry. Getting it as a gift. So Christmas is always a difficult holiday as it seems like everyone spends an enormous amount of money and energy buying crap that most of us don't need or want. Amen. It's not a question of expense as we live comfortably and I can afford to splurge around the holidays. It feels obligatory, wasteful, and pointless. Well, that's what it was designed to do. It's going to be even harder this year when we are first-time parents who recently adopted a two-year-old. Oh, mazel tov. And now have to receive gifts on her behalf. She already has everything she could want. It's complicated by the fact that we live across the country for most of our family and will not be flying to visit for Christmas since our kid is still adjusting to life with us. It seems like gift giving is the only way to tell our family and friends we care. Shopping is super low on my priority list and I don't have the mental energy to spend on wondering what people want or need. I'm hoping Eliza can provide some perspective as someone who receives an enormous amount of unsolicited gifts. That's me. What's the best way to reduce holiday stress and graciously give and receive gifts that you don't care about? Is there a nice way to tell people you'd prefer to not exchange gifts? Is there a gentle way to ask family not to spend money on our kid who doesn't want or need anything? Is there an escaped gift give? Is there an escape to gift giving hell? Yeah. So let me let me start and then you could follow up. Um, okay, Dad. If you're if you're at a point where you there's nothing that you need or want and many of us are at that point, or your two-year-old child doesn't need or want anything because you provide everything, then my response to somebody that really wants to do something and give a gift would be to uh, give them the name of one of your favorite charities yeah. and let them make a donation in the name of your two-year-old baby and whatever denomination they feel comfortable with. And, and they're going to get a thank you note from the organization and everybody's happy. And after a couple of years of that, they'll probably stop. Stop wanting stop to spend time with you. Yeah, stop, no, stop making donations. But many of us, you know, particularly those of us that are older, there's nothing you're going to get me is, you know, I don't need another sweatshirt. I don't need another pair of socks. It's just gluttonous. And, and, and why did you wait a whole year to show your love for me in a $42 uh, sweatshirt from The Gap. Why don't you show your love for me all year round in acts of of uh, service or acts of time or when I really need you? So I, I think a lot of this is bullshit. You know, all of a sudden, everybody becomes generous and magnanimous during the holidays and it warms our hearts, blah, blah, blah. But you, you want to be a true family member, loving friend, whatever, then do things because it's Thursday. You know what? Pick up my dry cleaning on Thursday. That would be a wonderful gift because I can't get there because I'm busy working in the soup kitchen, volunteering my time. And, and, and we get so funneled, that's my word, so funneled into this time of the year, mm -hmm. showing everybody all this fake bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I just don't don't buy it. I don't need anything. I don't want anything. I don't want anything. You want to come over? I'll make you dinner. Bring a bottle of wine, and we'll enjoy each other. I I don't. I need think I think you were right. I don't know what your family is. I don't know how big. They, I understand the grandparents wanting. They you know it warms their hearts to be like I got you something. You might just have to endure that. But nothing puts people off more than a holiday card that says, "And we've made a donation to the March of Dimes in your name." 
I, there's, it's like a wet noodle. You're like, okay, well, I guess I can't argue with that. I completely agree. Start doing that. Ask for donations and don't give, don't get. As long as you're not expecting to get anything, I think it's totally okay. What if you say to that, to these people, yes, I would love from you the gift of time. Because I don't think they want that. This person doesn't sound like they well, want to then, hang out. Well, then, then they're not legitimate. And 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 the gift of time, that's the most precious thing we have to give is our time because we are here but for a moment. And before you know it, we're gone. Nobody promises tomorrow. So if you want to spend the day with us or you want to do something special together, then, then I see value in yeah. that as a gift. I also think... I don't need another pair of fucking socks. This, the specificity. What do you want? We would love a donation. Because you said what you wanted. Because what happens is like, oh, we're good. Then someone's like, well, I got to get you a candle. We would, we're really doing a lot of donating. That way you're like, I said what I wanted and we will be donating as well. Or, or have fun with it. Say, so, you know what we really could use is a pint of off-white paint from Sherman Williams. <laughs> and get really specific. Even it's, that's not specific. What kind of off-white? Eggshell oh, off-white? Oh, matte finish. Matte finish, margarine, eggshell, eagle nest, uh, off-white. Desert sand. Off-white, matte finish, Alice. Sherman Williams, color 16223. How's that? Is that specific enough? Alice in the Traveling Wine. But I only need a pint because I'm using it for moldings. Anonymous. Beep. Hello. Beep. To my, stop it. To my favorite road trip ladies and hot scotty. <sighs> my question is, what point does potential future shit-in-law tip the scale on marrying the love of my life? Uh, from no, the no. first date. Oh, this is going to be, I this told is Noah, the first I was like, question of the podcast. If your mom was a nightmare, I would have been like, I'll just, I'll pick, I'll see you. I'll just die alone. There you go. The apple doesn't fall far from the uh, forest. For context, I'm a 29-year-old female with a career in healthcare. My fiance, 32-year-old male, is a mechanic and full-time farmer with his dad. My family all lives a state away. We live in a house a mile down the road from his folks, so there's not a lot of privacy. I know in this society, we over-label people as trumper, bigoted, narcissistic pigs, but this dad is all of that and more. I've been able to set boundaries with them. Like I choose not to talk politics with you, distancing myself and even driving separate vehicles to family events so that if I want to leave, I'm not beholden to anyone being my ride. My fiance defends me when he can. I can't help but wonder, is my love for my fiance enough? Do I want to raise children in this environment? Should I accept the good with the bad, the ugly? Movie reference for him. Oh, movie reference for Emily. <laughs> I thought you meant movie reference form. Emily hasn't seen The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. She just hasn't. That's the theme song. Mara Connie. Gotta ask yourself a question. Okay. How many bullets do I have left? Right. Oh my God. All right. Cool. So cool. my awesome. recommendation as a father and as a father-in-law would be to... Okay, listen carefully. Here it comes. Run from that family. I can't, because you are stuck with this family for the rest of their lives. Not your lives, yeah. their lives, until the father-in-law drops dead. Definitely not vaccinated, so it probably won't be long. But but aside from him being bigoted and racist and this and that, that, okay, all right. And, and you probably have a high tolerance, but if it's, so egregious and so upsetting to you that every time you're with him, you break out in hives, then 
find another guy, find another family because you are stuck with this horrible situation. And that's not what getting married is all about. And the old adage of the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, how much of that poison has been infused into your fiancé? Yeah. So one word response. Run! Hi, Liza and Emily. I'm a 38-year-old female. And my mom and I have always had an on off relationship. I was raised by my dad and growing up, I really only saw my mom on weekends and sometimes holidays. As I've gotten older, we've grown closer, but she will often stop speaking to me for months, in some cases years at a time when I act in a way that she is that she thinks is defiant or disrespectful. Example, I asked her to stay at a hotel instead of my small apartment for my college graduation and she was so offended, she canceled the trip didn't attend my graduation, and we didn't speak for over a year. Her anger has strained or ruined almost every relationship she's had, so I know I'm not alone, but I'm her only child, and I feel a sense of obligation. My problem is, back in June, my wife and I were buying our first house, and my mom was offended when we did not consult her before putting in an offer. We did include her on the first offer we made, but we didn't get that house and had to act fast with the second. When our offer was accepted, she was the first person I called to tell, but she was upset that we didn't run the listing by her, pointed out everything that was wrong with it and didn't speak to me for three weeks that we were in escrow. To be clear, there's nothing wrong with the house. It was moving ready and it's great in a Seattle neighborhood in our budget and just needed some basic remodeling. About a week after closing, my stepdad reached out to let me know that my mom was feeling much better about our new house because she looked up our real estate agent, called her behind our backs. I think we have the same mother and was put at ease by whatever was told to her. Our agent failed to mention this to us. So there goes that relationship. I've been furious about this ever since. I told her that I knew what she did and that I was upset she didn't just come to me and she tried to justify it by saying she acted out of love for me. But when I asked her to respect me and my boundaries, she stopped responding to my texts altogether. That was back in June and I haven't spoken to her since. She had already bought tickets to spend her 60th birthday in Seattle with us before this happened. But the week before her birthday, my stepdad let me know that they would be going to Martha's Vineyard instead. I think I'm done trying to have a relationship with her, but a part of me feels like I'm overreach, overreacting because she's my mom and I suffer chronic Jewish guilt. Am I being dramatic? Are some parents just this insensitive? Am I the asshole? I love her, but I'm tired of feeling like a light switch or having my boundaries violated when her feelings or ego are bruised. Any advice? Thank you for being my favorite thing about Wednesdays. Hot forever is fire. Uh, I recommend that you go on Amazon and buy the new book that just came out Living with Contemporary Narcissism. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say all things aside for a laugh. Well, My book. I was going to do that at the end, okay. but this is serious advice. It's okay. Living with Contemporary Narcissism. The author's name is I Am Great, and I strongly recommend you buy that book, read it, and then step back and decide whether or not you want to continue a relationship with your incredibly egocentric, narcissistic mother. Is that a book? Living with Contemporary Narcissism by I Am Great. I know, but I Am Great. That's a joke. Are it's you, a pen name. Is it real? Is this a real thing? No. I was like, there's no way you bought that book. There's no way <laughs> you would go and buy a funny. psychological- But if you are looking for a, a book to buy for the holidays, definitely look at Eliza's second book. Yeah, it sounds like I don't really have a lot of experience with like clinical diagnoses, but- it does sound manipulative and narcissistic and beyond unfair. I could see my mom being upset because I didn't consult her and it is out of love, but then to stop speaking, that's not out of love. That's, that's control. That's, that's control. all about control. 
And so um, I, I get the nostalgia part of her being your mother, her being your birth mother, but then you have to weigh that with the rest of your life. And you're in your Where 30s. I think she said she's 38. Yeah. The uh, questionnaire said she's 38. I Let's mm-hmm. say the mother's yeah. 60. So you got to figure that this woman's going to be in your life for good, assuming she's healthy and she's not an alcoholic, another 20, 25 60, years. 67 years. Yeah. I, you know, and, and you got to say, do you want this cancer in your life eating away at you and upsetting you for the rest of your life or just having a powwow and say, look, I can't do this anymore. I love you, but I I, I can't live with you. Yeah. You have to figure out how do you remove your emotion for it, knowing she's going to be this petulant, but. And how much more it's exacerbated when the two of you have kids. Yeah. How much more she's going to try to inflict her egotistical wrath on your children, on her grandchildren. To the parable of the scorpion and the frog. Do you know it? Clearly. You know it? You don't know it. That's why you're saying clearly. No, but. It's just the scorpion says to the frog, I'll give you a ride across the pond. Hop on my back. And the frog says, no, you're going to sting me. And the scorpion says, I promise I won't. And the frog says, okay, I trust you. And he gets on his back. And the scorpion, who I guess can swim in this scenario, (laughs) swims a a frog who can't swim across the pond. And just as he gets off, the scorpion stings the frog. And just as the frog is dying, he says, why did you sting me? And the scorpion said, it's in my nature. So it's not her mom's, your mom's fault that she is don't, this. Don't don't edit that out, Scott. That's a yeah, good frog. It's not that it's not her fault, but this is how your mom is. So you're the dummy at this point if you don't fully accept it and just make your decisions based on that. You're being made into your mother's victim. And you have to decide if you want to live your life as a victim for the rest of her life. Let's move on to our next question. So, Amy. You guys called us goddesses. Thank you. She called us a goddess. Hello, goddesses. And what's the female version of goddess? God. No, I feel like it's something. <laughs> of course it is. You never hear it. It's always goddesses. God. Yeah, I'm joking. Uh, evil, evil, narcissistic monster. So I am a 48-year-old white heterosexual female going through a tough divorce. My 53-year-old soon-to-be ex-husband cheated on me with a 25-year-old ex-sex worker who he got pregnant. He an still- ex-sex, An ex, say that three times fast. Ex-sex worker. <laughs> X-X-C-X, Charlie X-E-X-X worker. All right, so she was half of his age and he fooled around with this woman who's a, whatever, stripper, hooker, or whatever. Okay, let's keep going. He still calls me weekly wanting sex while his girlfriend is at work. That's fucked up. <laughs> which is the same place I work, just a different shift. Oh, so she's a sex worker, but she's No, current. I think she, no, no. She's an ex-sex worker, so they both might work in the same. The, the wife is a sex worker? No, the, the 25-year-old is an ex-sex right. worker. I think she's just saying it for color. It almost doesn't matter. Maybe he was seeing her as a prostitute. I don't know. The point is they work somewhere else, non-sexual now. Maybe, let's say they work at Macy's but together. where does the wife work? They both, the wife work, we'll say Macy's. So the wife she's works, a hooker too? No. What? The woman the, that the dad slept, the husband slept with, right. is an ex-sex worker. I get that, but what about Does the Does not con- currently do sex work. Okay. So she got a job at but Sephora. But she used to. Yes, but not now. Okay. And the wife that we're talking that's writing in works right. at Macy's also. They both got jobs at Macy's. I see. Okay. In the lingerie department. 
He still calls me weekly wanting sex while his girlfriend is at work, which is the same place I work, just a different shift. I work there first. Our sex life has always been and is still amazing. I have needs. And since we are still married, I feel like, why shouldn't I? Any advice? Uh. Thank you for cracking me up constantly. Ex-wife booty call. Yeah. You know what? You're going to get. You're going to get it. Exactly what you deserve. So you either cut, you either go to the famous Russian proctologist, Dr. Kachikakov, or Jesus. <laughs> or suffer the embarrassment and yeah. indignity of continuing to have sex with this guy that you're deflecting on one level of your life, but yet accepting on another level. What does that say to you about you? You need to have some self-respect. Oh my God, buy a mirror. Buy a mirror for God's sakes. So you can you masturbate no in front of it? What do you mean buy a mirror? No. Oh. Ask yourselves these difficult questions. Yeah. You're at a crossroads at 48. Literally at a crossroads. You got to decide how do you want to live the rest of your life, whether it's with him in this fucked up relationship or or wipe the slate clean and find a new uh, man. I understand. Maybe you have like a sexual addiction. I understand if there's chemistry, but this man has wrecked your self-esteem. And if you were okay with all this, you would not be getting a divorce. Right. Why are you getting a divorce? Why are you? That's, that's, that's the, the question. question of the ages. Seriously. Yourself in the mirror. Why are you bothering to get a divorce yeah, if you're okay with point? all this? Sounds yeah. like it's a perfect uh, symbiotic relationship. And don't think, you're like, well, I'm going to show him what he's missing. He doesn't, men don't think like that. Mm. That's so gross. Have you, have you ever reached out and sat down with him sober and asked him, why did you have a need? If our sex is so great, why did you have a need to mm. go down on this other chick? Okay. Crickets. I think he went more than. Okay. Went more than down on her. And our next question is from. I don't know. They're all anonymous. Hold on. Cynthia in uh, Dubuque, Here we go. Montana. Who writes in and says... Cynthia says, Hi, Eliza. I for a horse. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Hi, Eliza. Baby arm and crew. Dad, your crew. Very long time listener of the show. Thank you for keeping me entertained every Wednesday. I just bought your book and I've been loving the nostalgia. Thank you. I'll just get into it. My brother seems to have gone low contact with my parents. He has very different political beliefs from them. For a while, we were close and discussed a lot of things from religion to politics to relationships, blah, blah, blah. However, I started to hear that he was being extremely critical of our brother who has autism and struggles socially. He was saying, fuck you to him and to my dad. I was pregnant at the time and every time he would call, he would grill me on COVID precautions as if I wasn't freaked out enough being pregnant during COVID. And he never really asked me how I was doing. It was a complicated pregnancy and it was a complicated pregnancy. I feel like I had no support from him. I've been avoiding him for the past year for my sanity, for the second half of my pregnancy and while getting used to being a new parent. Also, I feel like his behavior has been so toxic. I want to confront him, but I don't know if it's worth it at this point. My brother basically has no friends by his own choosing. He lives in another state. I was one of the only people he spoke to now that I know of. Eliza, it's your show. I got nothing. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll tell you this. You have a baby now and you your focus is that baby. And your brother is making you uncomfortable because he is not, I hate the word tolerant, but he's ignorant and intolerant. And 
somebody who has autism, you know, saying anything awful to them. This kid's got enough to deal with. Your brother is teetering. You're, you're afraid because he's teetering on that like extremist thing. This happens to a lot of men where it's like they crack, right? Like they take, they take like a blue pill, not Viagra, and they start to get weird. You keep your distance. You should feel comfortable saying to him like, hey, dude, like just letting you know, these are the things that are upsetting. You made me uncomfortable. If you want a relationship with me, like you got to, you got to figure this out. But I can understand why that's too much of a headache. And part of you is like wanting to keep him close because you don't want him to like shoot up a school or something. I, 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 I concur with what Eliza's saying. And what I would do is give him the three strike rule. I would talk to him three separate times about this and explain to him your feelings. And after the third time, if you get no uh, proper response from this insensitive, ignorant buffoon of a brother, then just cut him off. Yeah, and that's, that's fine. it. And you'll you, never give know. Give him three strikes, right? And, and he's too stupid or he's too uh, self-centered to even know that you cut him off. Uh, to to act that way to an autistic person is just it's disgusting. It's, cool. it's like knocking the crutch out from a disabled person walking. I mean, it's just disgusting. Yeah, Let's something. move on. I'm getting okay. so upset during the holiday season right I'm gonna now. I'm going to ask one more question. And then a lot of people have sent us this reel from Kashi. Kashi has made Kashi holiday puppy chow. Now, puppy chow is, it's like a Christmas mix that people make. I don't know if you listen to our Kashi episode. Uh, a couple years ago, I treated myself to a bowl of what I thought would be a healthy cereal. Oh, I remember that. Gosh, yes, I, I do that. That I was two bowls. pre-pandemic. Yes, it was. Yeah. I had two bowls because I often just house cereal and I almost had to go to the hospital because I thought my butthole was right. going to explode. You were shitting for a month. So I now Kashi that. is doing holiday puppy chow. I guess the idea being make a festive grabbable snack to just wreck the buttholes of your loved ones oh this holiday God. season. Oh my God. I don't know if there's a difference between Kashi and their Golden Crunch or it's always Golden Crunch, but- for the love of God, for the love of your sweet baby Jesus, please do not put out Kashi in any form at your holiday party. You may as well put X-Lax in your rum punch. It's like eating a diarrhea-infested cardboard. What? Ew, it's Dad. horrible. I know. Anonymous. Talk about Pacific Rim. Eliza, my... F <laughs> Who was talking about Pacific Rim? Nobody. One or two. That's why I Number two. Up. Pacific Rim, number two. <laughs> my fiance and I saw you in Orlando. Right before the world shut down. Then I saw you again in St. Augustine. Oldest city in America, by the way. Um, see you in Florida. Here's the situation. I'm a 31-year-old straight white female. I'm getting married in 24 days to my wonderful fiance. We met when I moved across the country from all of my family. So his family quickly became my support system. He, his extended family is extremely close. His cousins are more like his brothers, best friends, and we hang out with them. His cousins are a lot more conservative than I am, which is fine. I just don't bring up topics like those topics because I know neither of us will change each other's minds. One of his cousins, who's also a groomsman, however, is the type of guy who loves to be right, the center of attention, and who makes people feel uncomfortable. He used to always make really disgusting comments and I would walk away or ignore them, except on one or two occasions where I had a martini or two and my loose lips got the best of me. Thankfully, he moved away earlier this year. However, now these comments have been translated into homophobic, transphobic and sexist memes and reels on Instagram. I absolutely hate all the content and I want to shake him and just be like, what is wrong with you? But I know nothing will change his views. So I keep him at arm's length and I never respond. 
That all changed last night when it went from conservative talking points to just straight racist memes. A combination of pressure from wedding planning and serious health problem I've been dealing with just sent me over the edge. I blocked him on all social media and told my fiance he needs to talk to him about this. I've done nothing but be nice to him. It just feels like we're back in junior high and he gets joy out of bullying me. Deep down, I don't want him as a groomsman, but I know he's my fiance's decision and I don't want ever to come between him and his family. How do I handle this bullshit moving forward without starting a family war? Thank you for any advice. You have to turn it over to your fiance and have your fiance come down heavy on him and say, you really, really upsetting my fiance. And I'd like you to take those reels down. She feels strongly about how inappropriate they are. And if you have these feelings, there has to be other ways for you to express your opinion than, than posting these homophobic uh, reels uh, just do me the favor, do me the favor, take it down because you're really upsetting her. And, and that's all you could do. And if he says no, he's going to say no. If he says no to he's his, say no. If his cousin says no, fuck you. Then that's all you could do. And you go back and say to your fiance, I did my best. I tried and let's move on. This guy's going to be at her wedding. Or not. How about that? Or not. How you about know that? What? If you insist on this behavior, we're going to uninvite you and we're going to ask that's you it. not to come because- it's, it's less the real, like, look, people post fucked up shit and you can block it. This guy loves the rise he gets out of you. And you're saying even when I don't give him that, he's looking for it. You're the weak link. You're the girl and he knows he can upset you and he knows you'll get emotional and he knows that he's he's getting to you because he's dealing with some really dark fucked up shit, Okay. It's weird to me, you know, we always fault women on this podcast for dating guys who are ignorant and racist. And so like, not on this podcast, like in social media, it's always, you see these girls that are like, I don't know, but like Tyson's my boyfriend. And like, he does say racist things, but I love him. This is on your husband to be like, dude, why is that in your heart? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? The fact that your fiance isn't equally as grossed out speaks to his character a little bit. You should take a look at that fiance. And be like, are you okay with someone who, are you okay with feeling this way and tolerating it? And this is a friend. Or why are you okay with yes. it? Tell me why you're okay and with it. And he'll be like, well, he's just always been that way. And be like, I but don't want him at my wedding. that doesn't make it right. That doesn't. does not make it right. You got to be comfortable and you're going to get called a bitch. But do you really want this guy at your wedding? Do you want to spend your wedding like, oh, is he going to say something weird to me? You don't deserve to live this way. This kid, I grew up with kids like this. This kid is a fucking insecure, weirdo, like incel bully and if you got to nip it in the bud. If the invitations haven't gone out yet, then don't send him one. If they have gone out, then uninvite him and make sure he confirms that he's not coming. You know, or do you block all of this and like, Maybe it just doesn't affect you. Like, if you don't look at his social media, does this guy really exist yeah, to but you? Clearly, she is affected, or she wouldn't have written in a question. I'm saying, do your block it, see how you feel. But I, I'm a little bit weirded out that your fiance is like, uh, rose before hose. I, I, I would use that, um, the wedding as a uh, vehicle to uninvite him. And- top of the cob. Top of the bop. It's the top of the cob. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite, top of the cob. My top, top of the, the cob, cob should be you and Barbara here for the Hanukkah party, but I already talked Aww. about it. It's very sweet. Yeah, I have but- a very small top of the cob that has nothing to do with Christmas or family. This is you? This is my top of the cob. Oh, okay. Then um, do I get a top of the cob? Yeah. Oh, we I all do. get top. Okay. Come on now. All right. Uh, my top of the cob is... Um, <laughs> I was on a TV show recently and they gave us COVID tests and they're really expensive 
COVID tests that are like tiny little robots and it takes 30 minutes and it's like like your own home PCR test. And before I left the production, they gave me an extra one and I took it the other day and I'm realizing like this is a small like electronic that just goes in the trash. So I took the batteries out of it and those batteries are now operating my Zoom recorder. I love it. I just like that I got free batteries. What a great From story. a system set up to waste plastic and electronics and resources. And I kept those batteries. And what a great story. And now- No, it is. For, I mean, it, 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 for repurposing. All of those are like single-use things. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so environmentally warming. It's just, it felt really good to be like, you know what? I'm keeping these fucking batteries. I love it. What a great top of the cob. I liked it. Not not something you'd hear on many podcasts, but a great top it's of true. the cob. Now you top, top cob. Ba-dum, top. top of the cob. Ba-dum, top. top of the cob. Hope you use that, Scotty. Scotty, I miss you. It's been about three years. Oh, yeah. That's Scotty. What's your top of the cob? Top of the cob. So I recently just took on a wonderful new position as an adult and junior director at a private country club in Dallas, which is where I live. And I left uh, the facility that I'd been at for a couple of years. And my top of the cob, when I told everybody that I work with, uh, you know, giving them private lessons and private drills, when I told them I was leaving... And where I was going, the outpour of loyalty and the outpour of appreciation of mm-hmm. everything that I brought to them, to their tennis game and to their lives uh, with uh, the relationships that we've built was incredibly moving to me, heartwarming. And several of these people said that they're going to uh, follow me uh, to the new gig, which is icing on the cake, but the fact that they said things like, oh, you were the face of the club and how I look forward to the drills. It was like therapy. Um, It really made me feel that my hard work and my commitment to my clients um, was appreciated. And at the end of the day, we all want to be appreciated. I love that. I love you. I love you. And don't you forget it. My top of the cob. I'm changing mine. You just know. I'm changing mine. You can't recob. I'm going to. I'm going to recob. You're recobbing? Yeah. Well, can I recob then? No, because Um, my cob is based off your cob. Oh, okay. All right. So my initial cob was about how I took the batteries out of an expensive COVID COVID test and repurposed them for my Zoom recorder. And the batteries from that COVID test are now powering this uh, episode of the podcast. But my top of the cob, I forgot about this. I, my social media person, I never check Twitter because it's a tire fire, um, sent me a tweet from a woman named April Wolf, who I think is a writer, director. Um, and it just said, I did, a, I did an alt show last night at a, a record store in Glassell Park. And uh, I love doing alternative shows and I've done thousands of them over my career. And it's always nice. It's a different workout than a club. And she said, Saw Eliza Schlesinger perform at a small thing at Permanent Records, and my God, she's like a fucking cannonball. Came in, quickly wrecked us, and then disappeared into the night. Never been hit that hard by a comic's energy. And I think she's like a new mom. Hope she gets naps. And it was just, especially Uh, from another girl, just to be like, wow, like that was so powerful. It just felt really nice. 
I didn't disappear into the night. I disappeared next door to buy a snack at the bodega, but I guess I did get out of there very quickly. So thank you for taking the time to write that, April. And I think what your cob and my cob have in common, Dad, is that it's always really nice when people take the time out of their lives to let you know you impacted them in a positive way. I mean, one of my clients emailed me a $100 dinner gift certificate to what is one of our favorites. To Chili's, and you'll eat like a king. (laughs) Denny's, Grand Um, Slam Breakfast. No, to one of our favorite steakhouses, and $100, I mean, that's just... It's not nothing. No, it's a lot. That's a lot of cream corn. It means, uh, yeah, it's a lot of creme brulee. (laughs) Yeah, you have to order in advance. Uh, Bottom of the cob. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It really is, because you get steak. You get free steak. Yes. Bottom of the cob. Uh, why don't you go first? Because there's a couple in my head and I need to okay. formulate. And you're like, and I don't want to listen while I'm thinking. <laughs> Bottom of the cob is um, I really enjoy smoked fish. Um, I really enjoy tinned smoked fish. If you can get your hands on some Fishwife brand tinned smoked fish, it comes in trout, salmon, and tuna. Um, I think they're absolutely scrumptious. But the bottom of the cob is I think, I think smoked fish makes me gassy. But I'm going to keep eating it. <laughs> That's my bottom of the cob. Okay. Bottom of the cob. (laughs) My bottom of the cob involves one of my lifelong plights, and that has to do with the acronym TIPS. We are so out of control in our society with the concept of tipping. Let me remind all of your listeners what the acronym TIPS means. It means to ensure prompt service. And way back post-World War II in the 50s and 60s, people would slip somebody a $5 bill, a $2 bill, a $10 bill to ensure prompt service. And that has all morphed over the last 50, 60 years into these mindless millennials doing a bullshit, mediocre job in serving us food in restaurants and expecting, wait for it, a 30% tip. Now, I know in California, they've incorporated tips into the menu. So there's a lot of restaurants in California that there's no tipping. But in Texas... They, what really pisses me off and is the real bottom of the cob is on the top sheet of what you have to sign when you give them your debit or credit card is the gross amount incorporating tax. So they want you to tip on tax and they won't tell you that you're not tipping on 49.50, you're tipping on 51.50 because it's a point quarter percent. That is illegal and that is wrong and every restaurant does it. Plus, they start the tipping suggestions now at 18% and they go up to 25 and 30%. A tip is absolutely based on what I want to give. It's discretionary. And I'm tipping based on the quality of service. And I'm sick and tired of it. I should be able to tip whatever I want to tip. And when I take out food, when I go to swipe, I'm tipping the guy for handing me the food? Where does it end? It's absolutely bullshit, this whole tipping concept, along with car valets, which I'll talk about as the bottom of my cob at the next podcast. Thank you for listening. Folks. By now, you've had your Christmas. I hope it was lovely. I hope your Hanukkah was lovely. And uh, guess what, baby? It's almost 2023. 
So give our podcast a like, subscribe, follow, write a review, only a nice one. And please come check me out this coming March in Florida. I'm coming to New Zealand, coming to Australia. Tickets at eliza.com slash tour. And remember. And remember this, that as Eliza's dad from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you all for being such amazing, passionate, loving fans of Eliza as she has built this incredible career. Uh, I've met many of you um, at her live performances during the VIP lines, and uh, it is just amazing to see uh, the fan base that she's built, the loving fan base, and how you've lived through her life as a single woman, as a married woman, and now as a mom, and hopefully down the road as a grandmother. If I'm like, still uh, doing this podcast as a grandmother, <laughs> yeah, I don't, well, hopefully it's to a yeah. huge audience. But I love you all. Uh, thank you all. And a very healthy, happy, and prosperous 2023. That was my dad. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince. Rag and Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.